support for this episode comes from Lalamand Brewing. Lalamand Brewing is a division of Lalamand Inc., a global producer of yeast and bacteria that aims to help breweries achieve their growth and quality goals by offering products, services, and education. Lalamand Brewing's premium brewing yeasts and bacteria deliver unmatched consistency, reliability, and purity, allowing brewers to take full control of the brewing process. At the forefront of innovation and always looking to expand on the motto, we brew with you, Lalamand Brewing recently launched Laubrew Verdant IPA in collaboration with Verdant Brewing Co. UK. Laubrew Verdant IPA is a unique strain of brewing yeast suitable for a broad range of beer styles, notably modern IPAs. To find out more about Lalamand Brewing and follow their news and product launches, connect with them on social media or visit www.lalamandbrewing.com. We've all encountered challenges and hurdles in our lives. Obstacles in the way that try and stop us or slow us down in getting to where we want to be. Think of something like a driving test, for example. You might be fortunate enough to pass first time, or you might not be on your game that day, requiring you to reassess and try again. You can learn from the experience, take something from the encounter and use it to your advantage. Or you could walk away. For today's guest, he has always used his experiences in the world of beer for the better, knowing that if there's a situation to learn from, then he can go on and use it as a positive. And when in 2021 you're crowned as one of the world's best new breweries, it's fair to say that that approach is working just fine. Hello and welcome to the Brewer's Journal podcast. My name is Tim Sheehan, editor of the Brewer's Journal. For countless brewers, using the beers they create is a way to express themselves. Be that a big, bold stout or a subtle, nuanced table beer. It's the beer that does the talking. For Ross Holland, beer has also been a way for him to express himself. Through hard-hitting Imperial Stout collabs with the great and the good of Europe's breweries, to Imperial IPAs and more recently, its popular core beers, such as its unfiltered pills, Sesh. Starting Alpha Delta back in 2019, Holland has made his name through the production of these well-received, diverse range of beers. And as a lifelong fan of rock and metal music, the former band frontman is also suitably proud of the brewery's taproom in the centre of Newcastle-upon-Tyne. Known as the Delta Lounge, it's a haven for brilliant beers and the best in rock and metal. For many, the perfect combo. So, if you're planning to visit, just come with an idea of what to expect. So, I'd been thinking about doing something like this for, honestly, for years now. Because it's so frustrating going to rock bars, I grew up in the rock and metal scene in Newcastle. That's my background. I was a a singer in like metal bands until I got into beer, basically. And then I just think it, there's such a, a broad crossover appeal between people who like uh, not just heavy metal music, but like music in general and craft beer. 
so when the opportunity finally came up, basically we uh, it came off the back of uh, of the box social. I was a a third owner in in the bar previously, and it was a it was a pretty successful tap room for the for the old brewery for box social. But the brewery had, had gone at that point and we were focusing everything on Alpha Delta. And to be quite honest, one of the shareholders between lockdowns just said, I'm done. Like, I'm done with uh, with hospitality. I'm done with the craft beer industry. I don't want anything to do with this anymore. What do we want to do? Do we do we wrap this up and, you know, cut our losses or, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to take it over? And I said, well, I don't I certainly don't want to. I don't want to wrap it up. It it would seem such a waste and we never took any profits out of it. So it seemed a bit daft for me. So I said, right, well, I'll take it on. But the only way that I'm I'm going to take this on is if I open a rock bar in there and I want somewhere to somewhere that I can drink decent beer and listen to good music or, you know, what I class as good music. Not many others do. Um, <laughs> But um, yeah, so that's how it kind of came about, and it it took a good uh, a good six months for it to really take off. It took a bit of collaborating with with other people within the rock scene in Newcastle, and and a few bands and whatnot, and, and people then started to take notice. And it was a funny one because people knew Alpha Delta, they knew the beers, and we were very highly regarded as a brewer. That when when we opened uh, the metal bar, there was a bit of backlash against it, and. Uh, a few, a few other boozers kind of, uh, you know, they were like, well, it's too noisy and I don't want to drink there. And, and the early reviews coming in were like, well, the beer's great, but the music's, it's too loud, it's too heavy. Which in turn, actually, now when people go online and, and search for rock bars in Newcastle and read those reviews, uh, someone was just telling me the other week, the reason I came to this place is because I read the, the one three-star review you had on Google that said, the music's too heavy. And he went, excellent. That's the place I want to go and drink. So yeah, so it worked quite well in the end. And uh, yeah, that, and that's where we're at now. You know, it's uh, it's worked for us. The place is, the place is heaving, especially on a weekend. And uh, I just love it in there, man. We get such a nice customer base. Really nice, really nice people. Our staff are great. So uh, yeah, we're enjoying it now. It's good, it's good. Before Alpha Delta and the Delta Lounge came to be, there was a love of beer that grew with countless home brewer experiments and also experience working at other breweries in Newcastle. I got into beer actually quite early uh, when I was about 19. So I'm 33 now. Let's try and do some sums. Yeah, quite a while ago. So it was just a a really funny thing. One year I was, uh, you know, uh, my my girlfriend at the time, she's like, what what do you want for Christmas? And I said, uh, I really want to try home brewing. My my granddad was a, a home brewer. I, I never met him, but I inherited all his homebrew stuff. But by the time I got it, you know, it was all outdated. None of it really worked. So I'd always thought I wouldn't mind trying my hand at that. Um, I actually, when I when I left school, I became a plumber, and so I, I managed to build my first uh, mash tun out of a cool box, a load of copper pipe and fittings that I that I basically stole from work. And yeah, we, I started straight off just like you know we used to call it all all mash like all grain brewing in the in the house um first few brews were were terrible and i know that's what then puts most home brewers off they go actually this is this is a lot harder than it seems 
but I'm a, a pretty pretty stubborn guy, so I stuck with it, continued to homebrew. And then went into like sales marketing and it was actually a brewery up here called Anarchy Brewery who gave me my first job in the brewing industry. So I always have a bit of a, a bit of a soft spot for those guys. And they threw me a line and said, we're looking for a sales guy. Do you want to come in, uh, do some sales for us? And I'll be honest, I was, a, I was terrible at sales. I just wanted to brew, but I was happy to be working in a brewery at the time. And um, yeah, we, we, every, every week I was taking in my home brews, you know, and, and working out kind of what was the, the easiest stuff to brew in my house, which at the time I thought was Saison. So I was just like dry hopping saisons with citra and it's like, wow, this is a this is a whole a whole thing. And I can actually I can make nice drinkable beer uh, in my living room and it's it's not too hard. And and obviously practice makes perfect. And so, yeah, I went in there, uh, actually never got the brewing job there and then uh, left Anarchy, went into to bar work and uh, started kind of doing the beer order and the cellar stuff. Um, working my way up into management eventually and ended up running this little brew pub uh, on the quayside in Newcastle, which is it's no longer there, unfortunately. But the kit is still in use up here somewhere. Um, and yeah, just was doing some some smaller brews on there. And then at that point, I was like, oh, well, you know, I, I really miss brewing. I kind of want to get back into that. And this little little brewery came up. Um, and my dad just retired from the uh, from the fire service, and he was like, "Well, what do you think about maybe opening a small brewery?" Ross and his dad Steve would start Box Social Brewing in 2015. They trod a well-worn path of investing in kit early on, and then swiftly looking to upgrade shortly after. In making such choices. Ross would soon realise that things are really straightforward when it comes to growing your business. I said, oh, I'd love to do that. You know, that's my dream. And we ended up um, purchasing this tiny little, I think it was like a one barrel brew kit. And I started brewing uh, from his garage in the West End of Newcastle. And that's how uh, Box Social started. Our first beers came out of, out of a garage. We quickly realized there was absolutely zero chance that either of us could make any money um, brewing out of a garage. And I'd left my job basically to do this. And so we went, right, we're going to have to invest a little bit more money. So we bought, a, um, you know, the, the old Dave Porter kits that everyone seems to start out on, a, a little six barrel one of those. We found a little little unit in a, in a place called Newburn, where, where we still are now. And we started brewing out of there got a license for a small tap room and then box social grew to you know to bigger than we ever thought and we moved the brewery bought a, a brew house and i won't mention who we who we bought it off but it was it was brand new it was supposed to be uh you know we're coming install it everything's brand spankers it's, it's going to work great and we thought well the price is really decent uh, and it's true what people say you know you you buy cheap you buy twice and uh we got stung really badly not not one bit of the of the kit worked. The mash tun didn't work. The spar jam didn't work. The pumps didn't work. There was recirks missing. Just everything was wrong. The elements were were wrong. We, we were trying to, you know, we had twenty three hour brew days, and and at the end of it, because the elements were wrong, the beer was scorched, and and it was just it was just a nightmare. And we had so many sleepless nights. Just just me and my dad. There still was at the time, and 
I was just like, man, I can't do this anymore. It's, it's such hard work. But we powered through, and basically we we had to learn how to how to build breweries um, and put them right. And we just were working with welders and and trying our, our bit to get it right. So once we got the beer rectified, and we were happy that we could brew some some pretty good beer uh, on the system that we're in. We had a lot of inquiries for export. So we were using a mobile canning company at the time who uh, turned up with a with a brand new cannon line, never before used, and we didn't know this at the time. Um, and our first <laughs> our first uh, four beers that went in the can, uh, the seamer was was broken on the cannon line. You could peel the lids off, um, but we didn't know this. And so we uh, they said yeah, everything's fine. The beer's been checked. The you know the oxygen levels are, are good and the carb levels are good, so you're good to go. Beer that had been sent out to countries such as Denmark and Spain was all promptly returned. The product was oxidised and the lids could literally be peeled off. It was a chastising experience for the duo, and one that would eventually lead to a change in direction, but also one that has been positive for all involved. You know, unfortunately, we could never, we could never regain that uh, that relationship with our with our exporters. So it got to a point there where. Um, my dad was was uh, you know he's kind of getting a bit a bit sick. He was to, wanted to take his retirement, and he said, "I'm kind of done with this." And I said, "Well, I don't want to brew this style of beer anymore because essentially what we were doing was taking our cask products and then putting them in the can." And I was like, "It, it doesn't really work. I want to brew, you know, big beers, big double IPAs. I want to brew imperial stouts, and I and I think I can do it in a in a pretty good way." So. My dad then became a silent partner in the business and I set up his Alpha Delta and, and uh, worked with a, a brilliant uh, artist called Jimmy Terrell, who, who's from the Northeast. And uh, we know him through uh, his his dad was in the fire service with my dad. So there was a cool connection there. And Alpha Delta, the name is uh, is named after the call signs for two fire stations that my dad and my brother uh, both worked at in their careers. So. It's a nice, uh, it's a nice thing. And then, yeah, Alpha Delta just, just took off like skyrocketed. And when the the number one rating on Untapped came up, we were just like, "What, man?" There was me and and one other girl working in the brewery at the same time, and we just couldn't cope with the demand. So all we've done is. Every time we've made a little bit of money, we've reinvested. And now we've scaled up the brewery, replaced every single part of that original brew kit. And uh, and that's kind of takes us uh, pretty much up to, to present day with things. So it's been a, it's been an in- interesting uh, bit of a roller coaster of a ride, to be honest, as I imagine most brewers, most brewers find them. It's nice to, to be a one that grew organically. We've never taken investment. We've never borrowed money to this day. So. Um, you know, it's been a, just a, a kind of gradual thing over over the space of seven years since uh, the inception of Box Social in my dad's garage to Alpha Delta, where we are now. Being crowned among the world's top 10 new breweries by Rate Beer led to renewed demand from countless beer festivals wanting Alpha Delta to pour their beers. It's a tension that the brewery is grateful for, but also something that Ross and the team have learned to balance too. Beer festivals are a—they are a great thing. Don't get me wrong, but you can burn yourself out on them. And uh, last year in particular, because we missed when we started Alpha Delta, we were invited 
all over the world to pretty much every every country, every beer festival you could think of. And we never got to go to any of them because lockdown hit, flights were cancelled. And we were just, we were gutted because that was my first time kind of stepping into the ring with the big boys, if you will. And I was like, wow, yeah, this is it. You know, I'm, I'm finally going to do it. And this, this is what I was always aiming for, was to be an internationally recognised brewer. And um, yeah, like I say, the, the lockdown hit and we, and we were devastated. And so last year, when, when we were finally able to travel, I wanted to do them all. And, uh, and that was a really stupid idea because you can't do that. And especially if you're having a few beers, you know, trying to do three, four days on the drink, but, you know, trying to keep yourself sober enough that you can chat with potential customers and, and the public who drink your beer. It's rough and you're standing on your feet for sometimes 12 hours a day, if not more. It's um, it, it's really hard. And so we, this year we've, we've been more smart about it. And the, the lads at the brewery have all been more than happy to, to get involved. And we, we like to split the, the staff up at the beer festivals. So I did put a post up, I think, a few weeks ago on social media just saying, I, I'm sorry that I personally haven't done many UK festivals this year. I think I've done maybe three in the UK. Um, but I'm trying to, to get abroad to see our importers. So the international ones are the, are the ones that I'm trying to do. And then I'm letting the lads kind of take the rein on, on the UK ones a little bit more. And the UK ones I've done have been great, but it's nice to have at least a few weeks at home between them um, because I have a daughter and, and a girlfriend and a dog and, and, you know, and I enjoy like just spending a bit of time at home now because uh, you know, it, it is, it, it's rough and we're working super hard and, and seven day weeks are, are no good for anyone and you will just burn yourself out. And, and then when you get home, you feel a bit sick and tired of the industry and, and then you have so many emails and, and messages to catch up on and and stuff to do that it just it becomes like really uh really intense while beer festivals require both time and resources to make them work the relationships ross and alpha delta forged in such environments are really facets of the industry he truly loves and values i love love collaboration i think for me personally that that's the way that i've learned uh the most when it comes to brewing I learned to to like dry hop double IPAs from going over to Denmark and brewing with some Danish brewers over there, and uh, yeah, just stuff like that. So I, I love it. There's there's um, other places I've worked where they're, they're like quite against collaboration and they think sharing is a bad thing because my beer is better than yours and I don't want you to know my recipes. Like I did a, a collab in in Switzerland on the first night with a brewery called Saint Laurentius. The little brew pub, kind of uh, 20 minute drive outside of Zurich. Super nice guys, looked after us really well, but they'd never dry hopped in uh, during fermentation before. And I was just like, nah, man, get those hops in there. Let's do this, you know? And he was like, whoa, I, uh, this is, but this isn't the like the traditional way of brewing. And I was like, nah, it, it's not at all, but this is the way that I would make my kind of, you know, 6% IPA or whatever. And, and it was good. and. And he just reworked one of my recipes. And I just said, here's, here's my recipe, see what you think. And they just went, oh, wow, this is this is super cool that you just shared all of Alpha Delta's secrets with us. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, you guys aren't in, in competition with me. And even if they are, like, I don't care. I'm always, I just want to make the best beer. Um, but yeah, brewing with uh, the likes of North is, is great because of the scale that you're brewing on. 
you know, Wylam helped me out a lot in the early days of, uh, of Box Social and Alpha Delta. We still have a, you know, we still see each other a lot. If there's anything that I'm not too sure on, um, I know that I can just pick the phone up to any of these guys that, that we've brewed with and I'll just say, look, guys, any chance you can let me know how to do this or what temperature should I be using this yeast at? Or, um, it, it's still a really inclusive industry and I think that goes across the board of whether you're a big brewer, small brewer, uh, you know, a brew pub even. It's just super cool and and I'll continue to, to collaborate and um, and now that Alpha Delta has has quite a good name, we're, we're going to brew with some some smaller breweries, you know, we're always happy to brew with the up and coming guys as well because, you know, that was us only three years ago and it, it's amazing kind of how quickly things can change. So, um, yeah, collaboration for me, 100% all the time. And uh, and we do have some, I think, well, just looking at the schedule. Yeah, I think we've got like another possible three in before the end of the year. So there's some uh, super exciting ones coming out shortly. Collaborations with breweries both in the UK and further afield form an important part of Alpha Delta's output. But following Brexit, its ability to sell overseas has been severely impacted, with exports falling drastically. It's been really rough, actually. And uh, to be quite honest, we, we made a mistake of, uh, of being so heavy on, on export. For, at the time being, it, the, easiest, uh, the easiest thing for us to do was, all right, as soon as the beer's out of tank, we, we package it onto a pallet and out the door it goes and everything in one-way containers. And, it, and at the time, uh, export was good. All the beer was paid up front. So for cash flow, it was amazing. Looking back then, obviously we didn't know Brexit was gonna was gonna kind of kick in like it did, and it really really hurt us. We we lost fifty percent, if not more, of our business overnight, and we still can't really send beer to Europe. Our regular customers were Spain and France, two of our biggest customers, and then Brexit hit, and we haven't. I think we sold one pallet to Spain this year. And it used to be like, you know, a couple of months. So it's, uh, it's, it's really massively hurt us. But now we're, we're regaining those sales within the UK, just letting people know like, oh, Alpha Delta is actually available now and you can buy direct and it's all good. Um, we're looking at a few options. We're looking at the possibility of having a, a hub somewhere, um, possibly in Europe where we can send all our beer and then dispatch to uh, other European countries just to make the importer's life a bit easier and hopefully a bit cheaper. With that renewed focus on the home market, Alpha Delta is also looking at other opportunities and avenues for growth. Not only that, it's expanding its brewery too. We're scaling up again. We're uh, taking the unit next door. Uh, so doubling the size, doubling capacity. We've got some new staff starting, some new brewers starting. It's quite exciting, but also a bit terrifying because this this is probably the roughest time uh, ever since I've been a part of, of craft beer um, that, you know, to, to look at expansion. But well, while everyone else seems to be dialing back on things, our business is, is still doing okay. So um, we need to yeah just step up production a bit, I think. And the way to do that is a few more tanks and certainly more more feet on the ground in the brewery and continuing to travel, uh, collaboration always. 
We do have uh, some more events, I think, abroad. We've been offered some some new import contacts. So um, we're just hoping that we can make the logistics of, of getting beer back into Europe slightly, uh, slightly easier. January, I'm flying out to Thailand to do some, some uh, beer stuff out in Bangkok. So that should be fun. Yeah, and it's just, uh, you know, just trying to be smart with the beers we're brewing now. We're finding that we can't brew three double IPAs every month anymore, <laughs> as much as we'd like to. Um, so it's it's a lot of core range. Our biggest selling beer at the moment is Sesh, which is our 5% unfiltered pills. Um, and I, I never thought three years ago when I started Alpha Delta that a pills would be our, our biggest selling beer. But uh, times change. And I think if you if you don't adapt and, and uh, and change with the with the craft beer scene, then then you get left behind. So um, yeah, we're introducing the, the the small core range, IPA pale, uh, possibly another pale going in there, and then the pills, and just keeping that on rotation, trying to get some more permanent lines. We're doing pretty well across uh, Newcastle and a little bit uh, in Sunderland, which is nice, and then um, hopefully more tap rooms. We almost had one signed off this week, but unfortunately, it's it's fallen through at the last the last hurdle. So, I'm I want to do more Delta lounges um, outside of Newcastle. So, we're we're always on the lookout. We're we're looking at uh, potentially Manchester. I think we need to expand our brewery more down south. So we're looking into London. We are pairing up with a with a really cool uh, rock bar in London, but I can't announce who it is yet to do some collaboration down there and get some beers into there. So um, that should be super cool. And then, um, yeah, just see how it goes and and try and uh, ride out the storm, I guess, for now. And and uh, fingers crossed that um, that business kind of get back, gets back to um, back to where it was a, a year or two ago. The Brewers Journal podcast is a production of Reby Media, produced and hosted by me, Tim Sheehan. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. And special thanks today to Ross Holland at Alpha Delta Brewing. <laughs>